Listening to this episode, you probably understand having one source of income is too close to none. And as one of the wealthiest people in the world, Warren Buffett says, if you don't find a way to make money in your sleep, you will work until you die. With that being said, I am finally exposing the industry to this very unique very secretive way to make money in real estate that no one is talking about. No, I'm not talking about wholesaling. No, I'm not talking about fixing flips. No, I'm not talking about rehabs, right? No, I'm not talking about flipping contracts. I'm talking about event spaces. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and show you for $300, I'm going to waive that $300 fee and give you access to my free masterclass where I'm going to show you how to find your own location. I'm going to show you how to fund your own location. I'm going to show you how to automate this entire process. The same process that I help hundreds and hundreds of people do, I'm now pulling back the curtains. I'm going to help you do the same thing. So what I want you to do right now, go to event space masterclass.com right now. Go ahead and register. And as soon as you're done, Go back to the episode. Once again, go to eventspacemasterclass.com. I will see you in our next class. Two or three biggest opportunities you see we should take advantage of in this season right now. The biggest one is global expansion. I went from being in six countries last year. I'll be in probably 20 by the end of this year. If you look at any big company in the United States, they're not United States companies. They're global companies. They're really in China, all of Africa. They're in all of Europe. If you're not global, you're not going to make that much money. And here's the thing no one talks about. Even though they don't have the spending power as maybe we do in the United States, there's not as much competition for most industries. So it's easier to penetrate and get the revenue. It has to work where it has to work. Welcome to another episode of Circle of Greatness. And today I get to bring you, I want to call a digital marketing god. I'm talking about, I've been watching this guy for years and now I'm so happy to be in a part of a mastermind that he runs. And it's like just the information that I've learned from him, the strategies is crazy. And by far, I said it once, I'm going to say it again. This is my number one favorite podcast in the world, Marketing School. I could go down through the list. This guy owns like 10, 15 companies. We're going to discuss them on this episode. But without further ado, man, I want to literally introduce you guys. Neil Patel, digital marketer. You can go on any website and Google search something around marketing and don't see him at the top of the list. Neil Patel, what's up, my guy? Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, man, thanks for coming on, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. Good, good, good. So, man, you... Bro, I was on, we were talking yesterday and I was, I used to tell people about answerthepublic.com and he yeah. say, yo, go on answer the public. Like Neil, his whole face, did you just acquire that one? Uh, we acquired it in February, 2022. Okay. So yeah. last year. Recently, right. And funny enough, yeah. at Eric's event, there was uh, Thomas from FE International. Yeah. He's the one who sold it to us. Wow. Meaning the guy who came from London. Yeah, he's the one who sold it to us. Okay, wow. What are your criteria for acquiring companies? Is there a criteria that you follow? Has to fit within the core business. Yep. And the second is, is, you know, optimize it so I can make way more money than what it currently is making. Like, I overpaid for that business. Yep. So when I bought that business, it was doing around 100 grand a month in profit. So call it 1.2. Yeah. We bought it for 8.6. Yeah. Um, and of the 8.6 million, it's overpaying. If I was to sell that business tomorrow, I wouldn't get 8.6 for it. Right. But I knew I could, A, grow the business to at least 3 million, maybe 4 million in EBITDA. Yep. So we started working on it, call it in October of uh, 2022. Yep. And we've already increased the profits probably by around like 60, 70 grand a month, more yep. than what it was. So not a lot more, but we still have a lot of changes. Yep. 
and we'll eventually get it there. And then the multiple will be pretty big. Yeah. Or good, not big. But if I bought it for, call it 8.6, and let's say I get that thing to 3 million in EBITDA, yeah. conservatively, I know I would have paid less than three times for that business. Yeah. So that was the first. Yeah. The second one was, we have a similar tool called Uber Suggest. Mm -hmm. I also have an ad agency called NP Digital. 40% of my ad agency customers come from Uber Suggest. Mm. And to the public, never monetized uh, other than selling a tool. I knew I could end up making a lot more money from selling agency services to those users yep. than charging for the tool. Mm. And when we look at the revenue we generate from Uber Suggest, from a revenue standpoint, we generate way more agency revenue than tool revenue. And as the public is roughly 70% as popular as Uber suggests, yet it was monetized at one-tenth just from the software side. Wow. That's crazy. So um, let me ask you, when you're buying businesses, and we talked about it at the Mastermind, are you like when you go 8.6, are you literally saying, huh, here's 8.6? Are you doing seller financing with your deals? Are you doing, let me pay you something now, pay you later? How do you earn outs? Like, how do you yeah, operate? Yeah. I don't like earn outs because okay. I'm usually buying businesses. I know I can make a lot more money than what they were making. Yeah. So I don't want to pay anyone money that I made because of my skill set versus yeah. uh, their skill set. Yeah. So with that deal, we paid $6 million up front, 2.6 seller-based financing over a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, typically, if we have to do all cash up front, we will. We try to do as much seller financing as possible yeah. because then we can use their own profits to pay you know, their own loan payments, right. right? So in essence, I'm using their money to pay themselves off, which means my acquisition price was much cheaper. Right. That's good. So let me before we go, because I want to dive deeper in just a lot of these companies you've been acquiring, what was your start? Like, I know it wasn't, hey, I'm just buying companies for 86 what made you get into this industry and how long have you been in the just digital marketing industry? So I'm old. Uh, at least You're like 37, industry. right? Yeah, I'm yeah, 37. Yeah. That's not old. I'm You're young. <laughs> 35. You look younger than 35. Right. You know, black don't crack. <laughs> <laughs> well, Indian does crack, so we age. <laughs> Especially on my hair. I have no more hair. But um, so I've been in the industry for, call it, 21, 22 years. Wow. Um, you can say 22. I started with 15 and a half, so that's why I'm, wow. I'm, I'm rounding. Yeah. Um, but when you think about it, when I first started off, I started off just grinding it out, selling marketing services, trying a lot of different businesses, most failed, learned a lot of what not to do. Yeah. I'm not the smartest person in the world. Yeah. And eventually it led me down a path of what you should be doing because all that was left was the stuff you should be doing because yeah. I learned not to keep repeating the same old mistakes. Um, and I've always stuck within the marketing niche, mainly software. Yeah. Uh, the current focus is my ad agency, NP Digital, but the only reason I'm focusing on it is, A, I love it, but B, we have so many leads. That's why we really started it. Mm. And I just had a ton of fun. And I never thought I would have so much fun running an ad agency. Yeah. And because you see so many different type of companies in different industries, you continually learn more each and every single day. And right. for me, that's fun. Yeah. I mean, who are some of your clients if you're allowed to share? Like, because uh, I know you got a lot of pride. Like uh, Eric was saying, you know, he have Uber and I think Airbnb. Like he got some big, I would assume you got a lot of large clients as well. Yeah, we have a ton. Uh I, I'll end up blanking on most of them, but like Tata Mortis or Range Rover, Jaguar, yeah. uh, you know, Adobe, Cisco, yeah. uh, Western Union, SoFi. Um, 
but the list goes on and on. I know what we have do you a lot do for them specifically? Like I, I'm assuming you do something different for everyone, but what are some services that they are reaching out to your company to perform from? Is it running ads? Is it running immediate? Uh, like what's a little bit about that? Yeah, so we do all forms of digital marketing. So yeah. whether it's social media, organic or paid, or yeah. SEO, yeah. or paid advertising on Google or Bing, or just helping them with things like creating content for YouTube yeah. or switching up creatives for their TikTok ads yeah. or email marketing or conversion yeah. optimization, yeah. or even creating content for their own blog. We literally do anything that's digital marketing. What is the minimum? Because I know you're not taking a client that's maybe 5000 a month. What is like the minimum that you guys are looking for? So we have an SMB division, but yeah. majority of our money is made from enterprise. Yeah. Uh, most of our enterprise customers at this point are uh, seven plus figures a year. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because somebody's looking for, I like to call them, they are like well clients, right? Like a Uber, a Cisco, a Airbnb, all these. What are, I'm assuming you're acquiring a lot of them through your tools and your agency, but what about that person starting out? Like, what are some ways to acquire a larger client like that? If, hey, I don't got a year or two to build up SEO. What are some things? Is it relationships? What are some things people could do to try to acquire a Cisco or something like that? So at this point, we're on our sixth year of our business. Yeah. And I learned something really interesting. Yep. I assume that people would generate most of their customers through marketing. Yep. Like, we rank on Google for everything. You mentioned that earlier. But shockingly, that's not where the majority of our revenue comes from. At the beginning, it was. Wow. 76% of our enterprise revenue comes from either employee referrals, mm. so like employee referring a client, yeah. client referrals, in which existing client refers another client. Um, for example, we just had uh, the CMO of Ethos, which is a big insurance company, uh, intro us to Figma, which is uh, um, a design tool that Adobe bought for $20 billion. Wow. So client referrals. And then the third bucket is uh, RFPs. So companies saying, hey, we're interested in all these services. And they put it out to like 10, 20 agencies and you got to go fight for the business. Yeah. How many people you got now? I think you said nine. How many employees you have now? Not that big. We're uh, getting close to 800. I think around 750, but yeah. we're adding quite a bit. And going back to your original question is how do you get a Cisco? Yeah. Honestly, it's providing really good work and working your way up. If I was starting off, I would shoot for those small clients and do amazing work. And you'll be shocked on how many of those people eventually jump ship to bigger companies because they end up paying more money. I'm talking about the employees, right? So let's say I'm doing marketing for, you know, Joe's Car Wash. Yep. And that person at Joe's Car Wash is like, oh, I got a job at Ford. So then you start working with that local Ford dealership because you did really good work for that car wash. And... Maybe not that person at Ford, but maybe his friend is working at Mitsubishi Corporate mm -hmm. or Jaguar Corporate and is like, oh, yeah, we use this guy, you know, Neil. He has this agency called NP Digital. They do amazing work. And that's how you eventually get the big brands. Yeah. But you got to produce amazing results for people and do whatever you can to really delight. That's the good. Yeah, that's powerful. Just doing that. How are you, man? I know you got a executive leadership team like you you don't you're not in the business technically right but how are you managing or how is the team managing a team of 800 like how are you seems like a a what like I, I want a big company but I, like I want to do 100 million I want to figure out how to do that right but 
I don't want a thousand employees. I'm trying to. How can I do that? Yeah, you don't. You don't need a thousand employees. Um, how are you a lot of businesses that, at scale. Yeah. So I, I, I'm lucky. My CEO is a guy named Mike Gullickson. Yeah. Mike Gullickson was uh, iProspect, which is a company owned by Dentsu, and his division I think had iProspect had around four or five thousand employees. Wow. So he's used to managing a lot of people. Yeah. So we're kind of small for the headcount. What he's used to. Right. That makes it easy. And then I focus my time on strategy. Like we're in eight countries right now. And we just put an offer out for someone to head up Portugal for us. We put an offer out for someone to head up Spain for us. When I was in Miami, I interviewed someone to head up Latin America, wow. Spanish speaking, Mexico, Chile, Colombia, and Argentina. And we'll continually expand. But, you know, it's just like it's divide and conquer. Yeah. He keeps the fort down and he actually helps with expansion growth too. But I spend all my time either think about new strategies to test for clients that can get them better results yeah. or how can we just grow faster and where do we need to expand? Mm. What are your three, th two or three biggest opportunities you see that we should take advantage of in this season right now? Anything that you see or that you're focusing yes. on that, yo, we need to really focus on this right now. So the biggest one is global expansion. Mm. I already mentioned I'm expanding globally. Yeah. I went from being in six countries last year to I'll be in probably 20 by the end of this year. Wow. If you look at any big company in the United States, they're not United States companies. They're not U.S. companies. They're global companies. Apple, yeah, you can say they're headquartered in Cupertino. Maybe for tax purposes, they're headquartered in Ireland. Yeah. But they're really in China. Yeah. They're in you know, all of Latin America. They're in all of Africa. They're in all of Europe. They're in all of North America. In essence, these companies are going global. Yeah. And if you're not global, you're not going to make that much money. And I, I saw this firsthand. One of my buddies has a company, and his company, without getting into his name, my guess is he's worth around $10 billion. He owns software companies all around the world. Yeah. And he was like, Neil, guess how much my revenue comes from the United States? I was like, how much? And he was just like, yeah, 22 23%. Mm. And I was like, so where's the rest of your revenue come from? He's like, the rest of the world. Wow. And the majority of people don't live in the United States. Yeah. Their GDP may not be as big. The spending power per capita may not be as big. But you know what? All those dollars add up. Yeah. And the best way to get them is to go abroad. And here's the thing no one talks about. Even though they don't have the spending power as maybe we do in the United States, yeah. there's not as much competition for most industries. Mm. So it's easier to penetrate and get the revenue. Wow. So that's the biggest thing I think people, no matter what industry you're in, that they should do in right now in this season. So when you say that, global, what's the first step to knowing that for your company? Is that reaching out, reaching out to these other agencies or? No, like, it, it's hiring people on the ground. Yeah. But let's say, let's say if I'm selling shoes. Yeah. All right. You always have good shoe game. You always have yeah. nice different <laughs> shoes. Yeah. I'm wearing flip flops. Yeah. With and one. You, you know, got a lot socks. of money, so you could do what you want, man. <laughs> that my mother-in-law got me for Christmas because yeah. my socks had holes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I still remember Stefan Marbury from back in the day, but yeah. we digress. Um, nonetheless, if I was selling shoes, and let's say I'm selling in the United States, and I want to expand into, let's say, Canada. Yeah. I would find someone on the ground in Canada who's already been part of a shoe company and sold shoes there mm. and have them expand your shoe company there locally. 
Hey, sorry to stop the episode. I know you're probably wondering, Neil, I always see you with that brand on. How can I be a part of it? How can I get the official gear of every entrepreneur in the world? What I need you to do is go to newageceos.com so you can get your gear. We got something for women. We got something for men. We got something for spring. We got something for fall. We got something for women. We want to make sure you have the official gear of every entrepreneur in the world. Go to newageceos.com. And the reason you need someone local, even though a lot of Canada speaks English, some of them speak French. What regions do you need to translate your website into French for? Mm. What distribution channels do you need to use to get it across and start generating sales? Is Amazon popular there? Yeah. Right? Walmart's probably not popular there, but is Amazon the go-to place? Yeah. Or is there somewhere else that we're not familiar with because in US, we buy our shoes from different stores. Yeah. So having someone on the ground can really help you expand faster. But you need them from the same industry. If you're selling shoes, don't go get someone who's selling cars in Canada to help you expand to Canada. You need someone who's been in the shoe industry for ages and has done it successfully. And when I mean done it successfully, you gotta look at their LinkedIn and you gotta see them staying at a company for a while and continually getting promotions. Because everyone says they do a really good job. Yeah. But just because they say they do a good job doesn't really mean they do. Right. But if they're continually at a company and they keep getting promotions, that means that company feels that they're doing a good job. Right. That's how you know they're doing a good job. Yeah. And if they're at two shoe companies and they continually got promotions, that means two different companies felt they were valuable and they were good at what they're doing. Yeah. Chances are they can do it again for you the third time. How do you poach them? Like how do you how do you go acquire? That's top talent. Like, yeah. hey, I've been with this. No, I've been with this company ten years. I don't want to leave. I'm comfortable. How do you? How are you getting this? So you go on LinkedIn. Yeah. And you go look for people who work at competing companies in those regions. Yeah. And you may end up saying like, John, uh, or Hey, John. Got to say, impressive resume. I, you know, you've been in the shoe industry for a long time. I thought I'd reach out to you because you probably know people who'd be good for this position that I have. If you know of anyone who's similar like you, that's great for this position of, mm. you know, marketing can or operations or whatever it is, let me know. And a lot of times a person will respond back with, hey, I'm actually interested. Yeah. But if you message them on LinkedIn saying, hey, John, impressed with your resume, would you be interested in talking? I'm interested in hiring you. Most of the time it's crickets and they don't ever respond. Yeah. But the moment you say, I'm looking for someone like you, yeah. we get a much higher response rate. That's and a they're hat. like, wait, why aren't you looking at me? Yeah. You said that on marketing school before. That's That was a powerful lesson I learned. And I think I found somebody like that. So I got to start doing that a little bit more. Got it, it. it works well. We found yeah. our... Uh, uh, head of LATAM for that. We found uh, actually majority of our executive team from that strategy. Are you paying them way more? Like what? How? Because if you were going to give a similar salary, or what is the deciding factor for them to leave? Is it more money? That's what everyone thinks. People assume that you got to pay more to get great talent. Mm -hmm. We either try to pay the same and sometimes even less because there's other perks. Do you love what you're doing? Yeah. Are you empowered by the people you're working with? Do you love this culture at this company? Are you miserable in your current job? A lot of the people that we've taken in our executive team, they're actually getting paid less than what they're getting paid in other places. But once they start performing, we'll do a lot of incentive programs and bonuses to make sure they do better in the long run. Yeah. Let me ask you, because I know your company's going, I'm sure 100 million plus a year. I don't know what you, your company does, but what about you ever had a thing even at your level where they're like, well, no, you just we just I secured that contract from McDonald's for three million and I only get X. Do you ever worry about or do they ever compare like, well, 
just feel like they're underpaid? Because I know you just said you're no, paying. Uh, o- overall, if you look at the majority of our salaries, yeah. we're at market rate, if not higher. Got it. Okay. And we also have a really generous uh, bonus plan. Yeah. So if someone brings a McDonald's, you can bet that they're getting bonused up at the end of the year doing well. Got it. Okay. Assuming everything else is on track as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Like if you could bring a McDonald's, but you lose half your other book of business, well, yeah. you just replace what you just lost. Right. But if you're upselling your existing book of business, getting them all to renew, and you're being McDonald's, you're, you're probably in line for promotion eventually. Got it. Okay. Give me one more. So you told one of the big opportunities is international, uh, international expansion. And Give this is the more. second simplest one. Yeah. You know, you sell. Yeah. People pay you. Yeah. You have groups, people are members. Yeah. Do you ever take PayPal as a payment option? I do. Okay. Yes. Did you know for the people who don't take PayPal as a payment option, when we've tested this within our organization, we see a roughly 16% increase in revenue right away from just adding PayPal as a payment option? Yeah. Bro, you know how long I've been telling people that? I'm like, PayPal credit. Like, yep. that PayPal credit is a... It's amazing. Yeah. Is it another one you deal with like PayPal that I need to add? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> PayPal is the main one. The other thing that we do is if they're buying from their phone, yeah. just make it really easy and integrate with like Apple Pay yeah. and, you know, all the way Google Pay and all that kind of stuff. We see a conversion list from that. Let me ask you this. Uh, I want to pull up this list. So, so just just some of your companies here. You got Crazy Egg. You got Kiss Metri- Kiss Metrics. You got Hello Bar. You got Quick Sprout. You got Neil Patel Digital. You got Uber Suggest. You got Subscriber. You got Agency Agencies Unlock, MP Digital, ClickFlow, Answer the Public. Those are just some of the companies. Any of these that you acquire that you wish you didn't or any problems that came around? A low bar didn't wish I acquired it. Okay. Ended up selling it. Um, Kiss Metrics ended up failing. Mm-hmm. I acquired the domain name for, I think, $500,000 or five fifty dollars or something Kissmetrics.com? Like uh-huh. Okay. Had over a million visitors. They just didn't know what they are doing with it. Yeah. Um, Answer the Public was a good one. Uber says I bought for $120,000. Yeah. Uh, I put, I think, three to five million in the business. I don't know how much I put. It was somewhere in that range. Yeah. Uh, that one worked out really well. Uh, but the big thing that I learned over the years is I focus on too many businesses Mm. and I wish I just had, you know, laser focus, just focusing on one business. And that's what I do now. I just focus on that agency. Yeah. By answer the public and new business, but we just tuck them into that agency. You just that. are you, are you doing all of this to just do a roll up and sell it one day? No, I don't really worry about the roll up or selling. We've gotten offers, um, well into the hundreds and hundreds and what's your number you want? You'll take a billion. No, that's not enough. Gotcha. Um, What's enough? I don't know. Because so they came it, tomorrow well, with a billion cash. I'm cool. Well, based on the value of the business right now, yeah. sure, I would take that because yeah. it's not worth a billion dollars. Yeah. But, you know, if I think about the business, we had, when I, when I first started off, I wanted 10 million bucks. Yeah. All right. I'm like, if I just made $10 million, I'll be rich. Then 10 million became 100 million. And then a million just kept going up and up. And I remember last year we had an offer for $515 million. And uh, I own almost all the company, right? And I didn't care for it. I didn't even want to pursue the conversations. Wow. Uh, I I think the company I'm working on right now, within 10 years, I can get it to like a $3, $4 billion business at least, if not much bigger. Yeah. Yeah, let me ask you because I know you don't – you like chill, watch Netflix. You don't care about no material stuff. What – like – what makes you keep going? Like, it's not money. It's not what. What's that driving factor? Of this the game. The game. Yeah, tell me I, about. I the gotta game. win. Yeah, it's like 
points. See, money for me is like points in a basketball game, yeah. right? So who's scoring the most points? Yeah. If I don't score the most points, I'm just pissed off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not just me scoring the most points. It's my team as well because it's a team effort. Yeah. And for me, points are like money, and I just have to have the most. Not for spending or anything like that. Like my wife has a Bentley, and the cars are worth more now than they were when we bought them because there's a shortage. I was telling my wife, I'm like, our lease on the Bentley is up. Should we get rid of it? Because we would come up and then we wouldn't owe any money because we're a little bit over our mileage. I'm like, and then get a Honda Odyssey. Yeah. Save some money, you know? Yeah. And my wife's all for it. She's like, yeah. And then she's like, yeah, you go handle it. And then once I realized I had to go figure out how to sell the car and stuff, I'm like, oh, this is a headache. Yeah. But other than that, you know, it's like, I don't really care for the money. My wife spends all her time donating the money. Yeah. And I don't want to give our kids money. I think they should go earn it like everyone else. Mm-hmm. There's so many poor people. What are your a, kids? You got two kids, I yeah, believe. Three yeah, three and one? Yeah. You have kids? Yep, uh, four. Four kids? <laughs> yeah, I got an army. Okay, yeah. what, what are the ages? Uh, 17. Uh, I got, when we got married, my wife already had a daughter. Um, we got, we just had three under three. So we got a three-year-old, 18-month-old, and eight-month-old. I'm looking forward to the age or the time when they're all 17 because I yeah. think it's going to be easier. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but for me, you know, it's like I don't want to give my kids money. There's mm-hmm. people all over this world that are struggling, like even in the United States. Yeah. And uh, my wife believes, and I do too, you know, if I make the money, it's mine and I have whatever right to do with it and I pay my taxes. And they say that's one of the biggest quote unquote contributions because a lot of people don't know where the tax dollars go, although it goes to schooling yeah. and tax uh, roads, but a lot of it's inefficient. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with paying taxes. We pay them. But I believe that's not enough. Yeah. Like, I, I was sitting down with one of my buddies. He graduated from Harvard. He grew up in uh, Michigan, I think it was, on a farm. And luckily for him, he was athletic, got some scholarships, did well. And we were having a debate, and I was just like, you know, I believe if you take – because, you know, I originally grew up in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Orange County, which is close to L.A. But we have a home in Beverly Hills. And I, I was telling him, like, I believe if you go to the inner city, like places like Compton or East L.A., and you take some of these kids and you give them all the tools, yeah. I bet you they're going to do better than the kids in Beverly Hills who half of them are, more than half of them are probably lazy, and they're like, oh, my parents are rich, and I don't have to do crap. Yeah. And I believe that why don't those other kids have the opportunity? Right. And if you have money and you can give it, why not? And for people like my wife and I, we love helping out with things like education because a lot of people talk about disparities, whether it's with women versus men or different races. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it comes down to education. It's not genetics. It's not talent. It's not how smart they are. If you gave them the opportunities and gave them the same thing as some of these rich kids, they would be so much better off. Right. And I think that's that would fact. make the world a better place. Yeah. So that's what my wife and I want to spend our money on. And we can't do impact like, let's say, uh, Elon Musk is going to do where he's going to take people to Mars and make sure we're not relying on one colony or what Bill Gates is doing. I know a lot of people hate him, but he does donate a lot of money. Yeah. We can't do what a lot of those guys do because we don't have the money, but yeah. we just try to do our part. And it's funny you say it because I think about, you said you started 22 years ago. You were 15. Who exposed you to digital market? Was Did you see something? I don't know. Was it a parent? Anybody said you need to get into this? No, I wish. Uh, I was trying to find a job. Yeah. I paid six figures because I was in high school and I wanted to live a better life. 
You're trying to figure out a job that pays six figures in high school <laughs> yeah. at 15. Okay. I was like, yeah. let me go on monster.com trying yeah. to find a job. Yeah. They don't require college degrees. I'm like, I'm yeah. 15. I don't have no college degree. Yeah. But then I saw that monster.com site was publicly traded. They're worth hundreds of millions of dollars at the time. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to create a job board, copy them, make 1% of what they make, and yeah. I'm going to be a rich kid. Yeah. Popped up a job board, paid some kids in different countries to help me out. Popped it up. No one came to it. Yeah. And I was like, man. Sucks. Yeah. And then I was like, oh crap, I got to do this, something called. Listen to this episode, you probably understand having one source of income is too close to none. And as one of the wealthiest people in the world, Warren Buffett says, if you don't find a way to make money in your sleep, you will work until you die. With that being said, I am finally exposing the industry to this very unique very secretive way to make money in real estate that no one is talking about. No, I'm not talking about wholesaling. No, I'm not talking about fixing flips. No, I'm not talking about rehabs, right? No, I'm not talking about flipping contracts. I'm talking about event spaces. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and show you for $300, I'm going to waive that $300 fee and give you access to my free masterclass where I'm going to show you how to find your own location. I'm going to show you how to fund your own location. I'm going to show you how to automate this entire process. The same process that I help hundreds and hundreds of people do, I'm now pulling back the curtains. I'm going to help you do the same thing. So what I want you to do right now, go to event space masterclass.com right now. Go ahead and register. And as soon as you're done, Go back to the episode. Once again, go to eventspacemasterclass.com. I will see you in our next class. Marketing. Mm -hmm. I just thought people come to your website. I was so ignorant. Right. You know, I was so young. I didn't know any better. And then I learned you had to do marketing. I paid some marketing firms. I was working at a theme park cleaning This trash. is at 15 and 16. Uh -huh, 15 and a half. Yeah. I was cleaning uh, toilets and stuff like that and making money to pay a marketing firm. Got ripped off. Got no results. I was ran out of money, broke, frustrated, learned it on my own, and I started getting results. Yeah. And that's when I was like, got the traffic to my website, started becoming a popular job website, still made no money because I didn't know how to accept payments online. Right. And uh, I was a book nerd, so I went to nighttime college classes while I was in high school. When I was 16, my first speech was on how Google works and how to get traffic from it. Someone in there hired me. And uh, he's like, yeah, I work at this power supply company. We're a manufacturer. We put power supplies in planes yeah. and heart resuscitators. And we're looking for someone like you. And he introduced me to his boss. They hired me for five grand a month, drove him 25 million a year in revenue. Wow. He introduced me to the owner of the company. His son owned an ad agency. He introduced me to a few other clients. And I was making 20 grand a month when I was 16. That's how it started. <laughs> wow. I, and I asked that question because I'm like, well, 22 years ago, I didn't know what a six-figure salary was. It, it, it kind of shows the, I don't know your upbringing. I, I didn't look into that. But just where I came from, they weren't talking about no six-figure salaries, yeah. owning a business. So the difference is just like, if I would have known about digital world, I started a, a fruit truck and a junk removal business. If I would have started That's digital cool. seven years, it's cool, but it's a lot of work. But I'm saying if I would have learned yeah. about digital, I'd be so much further ahead. But that's why I'm going to try to make it more of a mission to really educate these younger kids because yeah. they don't even know this world, like no, digital they marketing. Don't. They don't even, they just think I'm going to find a job and just work this till I'm 70. Yeah. That's all our, in that's our right. culture, that's what's like beat into your brain. Yeah, that's how my parents were. You, you stay at the same job until you're retired and then you get your pension and that's it. Yeah. 
And uh, majority where I grew up, majority of people were not making six figures. That was rare. Yeah. And I grew up in a neighborhood that was mixed race. Yeah. So you had everyone, yeah. right? Whites, blacks, Asians, Hispanics. Yeah. Like literally it was just a melting pot. Yeah. Um, and in California, depending where you grow up, that's normal. Yeah. I, I did realize when I grew up, that's not how the rest of the United States is. Yeah. Uh, but that's how I grew up. And that was normal. Loved it. And I just wanted something better. Because, like, in my high school, people weren't really driving Mercedes or anything like that. But you would see them and say, like, wow, I want a Mercedes. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I was looking for a six-figure job so I yeah, could buy that yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's powerful. Let me ask you this, um, a couple more questions. So 1 to 10 million, what are some mistakes that you should be looking out for? And, and I guess, same thing, 10 to 100 million. Sure. So the big thing with 1 to 10 is actually the first biggest mistake is going to be TAM. TAM stands for Total Addressable Market. Mm. The reason people struggle to go from 1 to 10 million or even 0 to 1 million or 5 million is because they're in two small niches. Everyone says the riches are in the niches. No, the riches are not in the niches. The riches are in the big, broad markets. It's really hard to dominate 50% of a niche. It's easier to gobble up 0.1% of a hundred-plus billion-dollar market. Mm. So go after really big markets. Yeah. So that's the first big mistake because if there's a big market, that means there's a lot of buyers. It's easier to sell and generate revenue. The second mistake is trying to figure it out all on your own. That's a fact. Big facts. Yeah, you don't need to be great at everything as an entrepreneur. Focus on what you're good at. Hire other people who are better at you than the for the rest. Yeah. And you'll scale quicker. Yeah. The third thing that people really mess up on from one to 10 is they do too many things. Mm -hmm. So it's not just focus, but it's focus on, right? When I say focus, a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm still focusing on that one business. But then they'll start adding too many product lines within that one business and it starts distracting them. If your current core business is growing really fast year over year, let's call it 40, 50%, year over year, even 30%, there's no... There's no reason for you to have to switch and divert your focus. You don't yeah. need to add more product lines if you're growing double, a, you know, 100% a year or even 50%. Yeah. So that's another big mistake that we see people make. Now, from 10 to 100, yeah. the big thing, and this is the main one that we see, the people that usually take you from 1 to 10 are usually the different people that you need to take you from 10 to 100. Yeah. That's a bigger mistake because a lot of people that mm. can go from 1 to 10, they're more entrepreneur, they're startup people. To go to 10 to 100, a lot of it is systems, processes, operations. And leadership, and right? Yes, and they're very different people than typically the people you're going to find that take businesses from 1 to 10. So 1 to 10, right? You're at that place, then you're going to 10 to 100. Are you restaffing or are you just adding on those? You're not letting go to 1 to 10s, right? Or are you just restaffing? Sometimes re-staff- you do. Okay. So, so you you hire up and then you weed out the ones that aren't working. Got it. Do it's you sad, have, but it's true. Do you have a rule to hire in terms of letting people go? Like when they get to a stagnant level, I mean, you got nine hundred, seven, eight hundred people. That's kind of different. I don't. Yeah, is so, there like a rule where it's like, man, you? I got people on my team that is just underperforming, and I'm like, I would write them up and then let them go if they don't improve. Yeah, I, I, I don't wait around for that. Yeah, look, the business will do what's best for people if people put the business purse. So say that again so I'll catch that. The business? The business yeah. will do, if the employees put the business first, yeah. the business will put the employees first. Mm. So if you put all that you have in for the business, when times are hard, the business will do what's best for you. Yeah. Right? I look at it as a family. 
one person can't carry another person. We all have to work together and carry each other. Yeah. And, you know, it's not fair to other people if someone's slacking. And at the same time, if people put in their blood, sweat, and tears, if something goes bad but the company could afford it, it's not cool to let that person just go because they're having a bad month or a bad year yeah. and they went through some personal stuff. That's good. What are some things, uh, I guess, so you're not actively looking to acquire companies. Just if it come across your desk and if it makes sense, that's when you you acquire no, we, we actively look. Okay. So we want to buy at least two to three companies a year. Two to three companies a year. And you said something. So you bought Answer the Public in February. You start working on October. What did you do in that six to eight months? Do you just let it continue to move how it's doing? Did you wait seven months for a reason? We Why were short-staffed. You... Okay. But we knew we wanted and eventually we'd figure out how to... We already knew how to make money. We already yeah. knew the playbook for that tool. We just didn't want to... Um, you know, we didn't want to let the deal go because it was selling at that moment. Yeah. And we knew we didn't have the resources to take it on. But we're like, oh, we'll just buy it and just sit on it for a half a year to a year. Okay. And when you do it, do you got like an acquisitions headhunter that just, this they go find them. Then we put a new operator in. Because when you buy them, are you keeping the CEO in there or are you getting rid of them, period, everybody? Uh, typically, we try to merge the teams in. See, yeah. if you get rid of the CEO, the CEO has a lot of knowledge on how that business is run, whether you like them or not. Yeah. If that knowledge transfer isn't there, you'll end up buying a business, and then you'll notice that your revenue will tank in many cases. Yeah, you got to have the right knowledge transferred. You usually got to keep the team there for a while at least. Got you. What do you think? Six months or so? Usually longer. Usually okay. a year to two years. Okay. And I guess so you normally do you're looking to do two to three of them a year. What are some things you invest in like right now? Because I know we were at the I, event. I, he was like, yeah, I got money in the choir. I guess Eric just sends stuff your way. I'm like, yeah, I'll try it. Yeah. <laughs> so that company, you know, startups. So I invest in startups. That company acquired was just looking to raise money. And I was like, it's not really going to move the needle if I put any. They're like, just put something. I was like, okay. Um, I, I invest in private equity funds, hedge funds. Uh, venture funds, uh, provides diversification. And then other than that, I invest in a lot of people. So yeah. I look at donations that my wife do, not as giving money away, but investing in the future. Mm. So even though I may not get physical cash back, I'm investing in making the world a better place. Um, and I look at the return on that, right? Like if I invest in women's education, do they actually come back and start teaching other people from their neighborhoods? Like we did a lot of programs in Africa called Growing Gardens in which a lot of people have AIDS. And when it comes with AIDS, a lot of people are given the medication for free, but they don't want to take the medication because if your body doesn't have the right nutrients and the food, you don't want to take the right, you don't want to take the medication, your body doesn't do well with it. So you need to have them on the right diets, uh, nutritious diets and eating right. So we did a program, uh, or there was someone else who did a program, we donated quite a bit to it, called Growing Gardens, where people were growing gardens within their village. Not mm. only did it feed them, started feeding people in their village. Mm, powerful. Right? Yeah. So it's just, how many more programs can you find? And they're all over. There's yeah. people struggling in Africa and Asia and India, United States. There's people struggling everywhere. So, yeah. you know, whatever you can help, it's great. And for me... That's probably the best investment that we're making right now. That's powerful. That's powerful. Um, right now, and we're about to bring it to a wrap, for personal brands looking to build, is S how important is SEO for these personal brands? Like, you got neilpatel.com, but like yeah. you're saying, I don't plan on really selling it like that. But do you think 
building a personal brand now is just as important or should you be focusing, I guess, more on building like, like Hermosi built a personal brand, but he's still able to sell gym launch, although he was a huge component of gym launch. So, yeah. So I look at personal branding and SEO. SEO is great, but if you really want to build a personal brand is social media first Yeah. Okay. and it's video content specifically. Mm-hmm. And you need video content on LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. Just take the same video content, publish it everywhere. Yeah. Even on Snap. Yeah. You could be like, ah, I barely any of my audience is on Snap. Well, someone may see it. It's better than nothing. You already yeah. created the content. It yeah. doesn't cost you much more to publish it again on another social channel. Mm. And that's simple, too. Just put it everywhere. Yep. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be high-quality production, right? Like, your business is doing really well. You guys are big. So it's like, it makes Relative. sense. Relative. Sure, but you guys are big. If you look at majority of the businesses out there, you guys do extremely well. Right. And you can afford to do high-quality production, but when you're starting out, you don't need it. Just bust out your phone, yeah. hit the record button, put it up. Yeah, yeah and, and that's what I do. I'll be telling I'm like, yo, these, these iPhone videos be performing better in these edited, polished videos that we have sometimes. That's right. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, Neil, I appreciate you just coming on the show. If you could let everybody know... Um, I guess leave the lead the world with a piece of advice if you want and just let people know how they can just tap in with you if you got anything to offer or if you want to check anything out. It doesn't matter where your education is or where you're from. Entrepreneurship is tough. And if you really want to do well, don't worry about not going to Harvard or any one of those schools. Yep. You're going to make mistakes. Even Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg make mistakes. Yep. Just learn from your mistakes. If you avoid making the same mistake over and over again, eventually it'll lead you down a path of what you should be doing. Let's go. So I hope that helps everyone. And if you're looking to connect, neilpatel.com. Yep. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was fire, bro. Thank you. Let's get it.